All right. Good morning, everybody. We'll finish up Psalm 119 today. If you want to turn there in your Bibles while I get my notes up here. There we go. And we'll be picking up in verse 145. Some things going on. Kids camp today is the final day for sign up for kids camp. That's the deadline. Please get them signed up if they haven't. And then uh, we've got a couple baptisms coming up here. Uh, July 23rd, next month. Um, that's with Grace. And then the next one is right after camp because some kids get saved during camp and that's going to be uh, at the pool. And then we have our adult Bible study at 530. And disc golf, teen night, June 25th uh, coming up. There we go. All right. Works great. <laughs> just keep watching. I'll just scroll. Walking tacos. Those are probably one of my favorite little fair foods. Those are good. All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We pray, pray that you'd bless your word. We pray that it would work. JC prayed that um, we would apply it to your lives, but and true, uh, very true. But we also know that your word is like a, a healing balm also. And, and we pray that you would apply it to our lives, that you would uh, help us this morning with the things on our hearts, the things on our minds, the concerns, the cares, the celebrations, the praise. All of it, God, uh, we pray your word uh, would be generously applied to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Our psalmist is going through a rough time, and as we finish this up this morning, it doesn't, it doesn't get much better for him. He just is a guy that needs a break. He needs help, you know. He's been crying out for the last three weeks for God to come in and help him during this season in his life. And uh, I think about all you folks and the things that you're going through. I, we praise God, David, for your eyesight coming back as far as, as far as the surgery goes. So far, so good. Keep praying for that. We pray for Kim Watson, who's been in the hospital for a week, but was, is home now and uh, is recovering there. But weird thing, an insect bite and saliva got inside and causes capillaries to break inside and outside. And I got photos to prove it. <laughs> Kim, if you're watching, don't send me those photos anymore. <laughs> But we're so grateful that God is pulling him through these difficult times. Um, maybe not always an attack, but it sure feels like it when you're going through it, you know. Um, and it could be a spiritual attack. Who knows? So we pray our way through these things and we ask God for help. And so a lot of us in this room, who maybe I didn't even mention and, and are going through it, are crying out. And so this is very appropriate for you. And I hope it helps. In Psalm 145, or actually 119, verse 145, I cry out with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you. Save me, and I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me. And that's the first time he says this. He'll say that several times in the next section. Revive me according to your justice. and draw. Uh, they draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. He lets us in on a little quiet time that he's having. He writes it publicly for us to read. But he's telling us what's been taking place at nighttime, when no one's around, when the, everything's quiet. And of course, it got a lot more 
quiet back then than it does today. Now we have a lot of distractions we can turn on at night. Things that can get our mind off of our problems and our difficulties. And nighttime back then was to be alone with your thoughts, which is very important to do, I think. Um, We love to avoid those moments for the most part when it comes to difficulties and trials. And maybe you're tired of going over the same thing in your mind and you just need to get away from it. Um, But that going over it in your mind and bringing God into that conversation that you're having with yourself is, is very important for you. Um, it's very important for us to bring him in. And, and, and that's what he shares with us. I, I brought you in. I brought your word in to my difficulties. I cry out with everything that I have. Um, the part that I focused on in this first section was saw, with the, the verse 150. They, these wicked people, draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. Uh, we have enough problems <laughs> without the wicked joining in, it seems like. And yet... Um, I think we've talked about this or discussed this several Wednesdays or Sundays. It gets all jumbled in my mind sometimes. It's one big Bible study for me. But if you recall, we've gone over the fact that being a light on a hill can draw both those who need to be saved and need to be helped, but also can draw into the attack as well. Um, People want to extinguish that light, whereas others are drawn to it to be saved by that light in our lives. And he's experiencing that, I think. He's going through a time where he's lived a life, in his mind anyway, as far as we can tell from what he's written down, everything according to God's word. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And I don't know that he's confused as to why he's going through a tough time. I don't think he is. I think he's, he's just saying, I'm being attacked by these people that seek after wickedness. They're drawing near. And it's not for repentance. They're drawing near to, to attack. And I, I can't help but think it's... Um, I was going through my mind, how do I help apply this? I, I want to give a sense of the meaning without destroying the word. But when, uh, and I'll use a military reference because that's what came to mind. They're not all military references today, I promise, just this one. But in your, in your, in your platoon or in your, in your squad, depending on how far down in the, in the group you go, you've got your regular basic arms, you know, your rifle, and then you've got a squad automatic weapon generally. You know, and uh, that's a bigger that's a bigger deal, and and everything's fine in a battle. Not not that I've ever experienced that. I don't, I don't pretend to be something that I'm not, but from what I understand, it's it's a big deal when the squad automatic weapon goes off. You identify yourself as the biggest threat of the people that are firing. Bang 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 bang. Then that's the problem. And the enemy sees that as the problem. Say, we need to take that out first. The others are threats, but not nearly as big a deal as the squad automatic weapon. And as you walk with the Lord, spiritually speaking, in this world, and you begin to do more and more and more for God and live more uprightly and shine brighter and put yourself higher on a hill, guess what? You draw fire. You just do. Satan isn't concerned so much with people that are distracted with the cares of life to the point where they don't minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around them. He focuses on those who are actively ministering, actively seeking the lost, actively doing damage against his kingdom. And so you're the target then. And you can see this in this guy's life. You're a threat. The wicked are drawing near to me. What do you do though? (laughs) Well, the temptation is to not fire. I've had enough. 
you know, let someone else take the heat for a while kind of thing. But that hurts everybody. You've got to continue to do what you're called to do. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, And one will say to him, What are these wounds between your arms? Then he will answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. A place where I thought it was safe. This is a prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus. A place where I should have been accepted. A place where it should be safe. Where I should be able to shine brightly. Jesus bringing the the kingdom, the good news with him wherever he went, was for the most part celebrated, but a lot of times it wasn't. You know? You'll get it both ways today. Why don't you stand up more and speak more about the topics of today and really blast that and really hit them? Okay, I'll do that next week. And then you do, and everybody's like, well, that's just not loving. The people that I brought, we were so overwhelmed, they never want to come back to church again. Okay, next week I'll tone it down. Why did you tone it down? Why don't you blast those people? Okay, I get it. Jesus, imagine just sharing the truth. Here's the thing, never changed. Just continued on. Get louder, Jesus. It's not my time. You're never going to be betrayed. No one's ever going to crucify you. Get behind me, Satan. Just this even walk with the Lord. I'm doing what my Father tells me to do. I'm led by the Spirit. The Spirit is giving Jesus unction and desires and the words and the moments. And sometimes it's time to say, how much longer will I be with this faithless generation? Other times it's you step in between and say, leave these little, anybody that causes one of these little ones to stumble, you know, there's, there's moments. I get that question a lot, and you may have that question this morning, so let me answer it before we go any further. How do I know what I'm supposed to say in any given situation? You've got to be led of the Spirit. I don't know what you're supposed to say to your loved one. I don't know what you're supposed to say to your enemy. I don't know how you're supposed to handle that situation necessarily. You have to be led of the Spirit. He doesn't give me any information about your lives, but He will talk to you about it. He will lead and guide you. He will speak to you in your still small, with his still small voice into your heart. In Psalm 22, verses 11 through 13, another prophecy about the Messiah. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. The Messiah is going through or will go through the same thing. Our psalmist is going through the same thing you may be going through. And finally, John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. We know that. We hear that. When it's actually going down in your life, though, it's hard to remember, hey, they're hating me like they hated Jesus. You know, it's hard. Many of the world's greatest souls become their best selves, not in spite of, but because of their distress. The great hymn writer, uh, Cowper, wrote hopeful hymns, and the great artist Van Gogh brushed epic paintings while contemplating suicide at the time. Charles Spurgeon preached some of his best sermons while depressed. Abraham Lincoln, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King Jr. battled melancholy. 
The great composer Beethoven was deaf. C.S. Lewis buried his wife after a short cancer-ridden marriage. Ellie Wiesel and Corey Ten Boom survived the Holocaust. Johnny Erickson, Johnny Erickson Tata lost her ability to walk in a tragic accident. John Perkins endured jail, beatings, death, threats from white supremacists. And on it goes. These persons have an appreciation and sensitivity and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep love and concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. I didn't write that. I stole it. Full confession. I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know how often it happens to you more than other people. But I think that's the most important thing to remember. Beautiful people don't just happen. Beautiful representatives of God in this world don't just happen. They're made, you're created, you're carved, you're chiseled into what God wants you to be. And those are painful things that you have to go through sometimes. Our writer here in Psalms is going through a very difficult time, but he is the greater threat and he gets attacked the most. We count it all joy. Verse 153, consider my afflictions and deliver me. For do not forget your law, plead my cause and redeem me, revive me, there it is, according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord, revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The, entire, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. He's asking for a revival, obviously. We have a funny picture of revival. I think it's morphed over the ages, what a revival looks like. Some, when you say the word revival, depending on where you grew up, it's a tent. That gets put up once a year, once every other year, where special speakers come and you invite your neighbors and friends and strangers and people come hear the gospel in a different location other than the building they usually go to. It seemed to help going to a tent, I guess. That's revival. I'm not making fun of it. I think there's a place for that. I think of many people that have never darkened the door of a church might darken the flap of a tent, and that's okay. I don't, I don't fault them for that. But that's not revival. It's hopeful. We want revival. But what this writer here is asking for is true revival. I want you to come into my heart and change me from the inside out and do a work in me. I do want you to save me from my enemies. Don't forget that prayer too. But I want you to come in and do something here. According to your judgments, according to your loving kindness, according to your word, there are specifics. I don't want to just feel better although I do, I want to feel better according to your precepts. I want to feel better according to your word. I want to be healed correctly. You know, I have a had, I should say, I think I'm getting better now, a bad habit of going to ibuprofen just like that. You know, you know, it's, it was just easier to take, you know, a bunch of those and, and just move on and go on with life kind of thing. Um, but it wasn't doing me much good. I mean, it is an anti-inflammatory. I get it. It does give your body an opportunity to do what it does, maybe freeze it up from fighting the inflammation to maybe doing other work it could be doing. 
I don't know, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. But I do know it wasn't the right thing to do because it was causing other problems, mainly because of the quantity I was taking. You know, So much of it can't be good for you. And then you read liver studies and all these things. Like, so I backed off. There were better ways to be healed. There were better ways to nurse those wounds other than just drug them into submission. <laughs> Mask them with pain blockers, you know. We have a problem in our society. <laughs> What's new, right? A way of masking and dealing with the pain of our life. And we medicate ourselves many different ways. And I'm not just talking about chemical. I'm talking about all sorts of ways to distract ourselves, to keep ourselves busy, to take our minds off of things. And I'm, I'll tell you, and I know you know this, I hope you know this, if you've never tried it, if you've never experienced it, getting outside if it's a nice night, maybe not when it's completely dark, because then your mind starts thinking about other things, threats otherwise, <laughs> but maybe twilight or something, those are some of my sweetest times. I'll put the chickens away. I'll put the dogs away. I don't mind doing it. I'll get them put away. I'll get them penned up. And it's that walk back from getting that chore done that I have some of my most wonderful, quick, short, because it's not very long to get back to the house, prayer times with the Lord. And I never feel more peace than I do right then than when I come into the house and flip on Netflix or Prime or whatever it is that I decide to, that's how I'm going to spend the rest of my evening. That does cover it at Mass, but it's the ibuprofen of spirituality. (laughs) I did write that. You can take notes on that if you want. (laughs) Some of this stuff, who knows where it comes from. I never feel more peace than when I have my just quiet conversations with the Lord about things like this. I don't know that I cry out with all my heart like this. I don't have a lot of problems. I don't. And my problems are so small. I call them in my life, oh, it's a first world problem. You know, first world problems. You know, oh, which shoes should I wear? You know, kind of thing. Really? I mean, I don't ever pray about that, but. Revive me, he says. Second Kings chapter 13, verse 21. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. They're going to get him in the ground fast. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Now that's a story we don't get to read very often in church, so I took the opportunity here. It's just a weird story, but what a great story, you know? Hey, 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 you know? Pull me back up, kind of thing. That's revival. Dead man turned to life, you know? Just from coming in contact with these these old dead spiritual guys, you know? I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm really stretching it here, but when I get into some of these dead seasoned saints, that walk the walk and finish the race well. Their, their, their testimony and their words talking about their relationship with Christ, make no mistake about it, it's not the man, I know that. But their, their explanation and their testimony of walking with Jesus in their life does bring comfort. It just does. 
And I can see that here. It's a reviving that takes place in my life when I read about guys and gals that have run the race and, and done it well. Ezra chapter 9, verse 9. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Now, it's not done yet in Ezra's time, but he's already praising God for the revival that's taking place because it starts in the heart and it manifests itself physically later on. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2, And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they, sac- will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish Stones that are burned. Those are the voices we don't listen to. You want to be revived, Satan whispers, and his cronies in your life. Are you really going to revive all that? I mean, your life is so burnt. It's so wasted. It's so horrible. It's so beyond repair. Nehemiah just kept building, stayed close to his God. And pretty soon these folks were the antagonists of the story, were very much in awe of what God had done. And God got the glory for it. I encourage you this morning to continue to walk with the Lord, to continue to let him build those waste places in your life, to touch those areas of your life. Let him do that. Watch, it, watch him work. It's hard when, you, when you're so close to the project you know, of yourself. It is. You're like, I, I mean, I don't think I've grown at all, you know. And we check too often. That's our problem. We check too often. We check every other day. I don't know. There's no growth. It's been a day. You know, how many of you have one of those places in your house where you put your kids up to it, you know, and you measure and you do your thing, you know, and then you put the date? Well, we did ours annually, February something, about February 15th we'd do it. And it was fun to see the two or three inches and the steady growth of all these Moments, but the kids would go, it's been a month, let's check. And they'd put their, you know, ah, they were so disappointed, you know, not even an eighth of an inch this month. Well, God is moving and he's working in you. And the longer you are in his presence and allow him to do the things he wants to do in your life, you do, you just grow. You grow, and if you can't see it, ask somebody around you who've known you for more than five years, and they'll tell you, and they'll tell you. What do you think? How am I doing? Oh, my goodness. Now, be prepared. They may look at you and say, I never thought you, you're, this is a miracle. Yeah. Well, thank you, I think. You know, how bad was I? Ask somebody else, not yourself. Psalm or verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause or without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace I have, or great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. 
Now, that 165 is what I focused on. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. He doesn't consider this, and neither should we, this cry out to God as a stumbling moment in his life. It isn't. It's your walk. That's what you do, you know. My kids get wounds on their knees. Everybody's kids do. And you got kids on your, or wounds on your knees when you were a kid. And it was important to go to mom and dad. Did they do anything besides about murder you with Bactine? You know, back in the day, you young kids don't even know the pain. The the conversation in your head, in your head, I want to tell mom, but I know she's going to get that green, white, and red bottle out and nestle. Oh, Blow on it, blow on it, you know. We all have to come. We all have to come to get healed. We all have to come from the wounds that we've received from friends, enemies, our own selves. We all have to come. That's not a stumbling. I mean, it technically is because you skinned your knee, but it's just life. God wants us to come to him. Great peace, not just some peace, great peace. Isaiah 9, 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Captain of the Peace. You know, when someone brings peace, he brings peace, peace. You know, God has many roles and hats that he wears in our lives, but one of them and the greatest is the fact that he brings us peace. When Jesus came, the word become flesh, the fulfillment of Isaiah 9, 6. He says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I want to give you a peace that surpasses understanding beyond what this world can give you. I want to give you a peace that's, well, just makes the storms of your heart very still. I want to do that. I want to cry out in your life, peace, be still, you know, and bring that to you. There's a new trend in gym classes around the country. Americans emerging from more than two years of pandemic, this has been a while ago, are looking for something new in their workouts, a good rest. Gyms say, that they are seeing increased demand for gentler classes. Amen. I might come to one of those. Those spin classes are ridiculous. I could even balance on the bike, even though it's stationary. (laughs) They're they're expanding their mellower offerings. They're also rolling out uh, dedicated recovery rooms equipped with massage lounge chairs and self-massage gadgets. Yes. One participant said his workout reminds him of preschool nap time. He lies on a mat with a pillow in a dimly lit room and follows an instructor through a series of gentle stretches while calming music plays, aptly named Surrender. The hour-long class in its Houston gym has been packed. The chain. Now, why do I get emotional about a funny story? Because we need rest so badly. We need so much rest. We don't even realize what we're going through and what we're putting ourselves through. That there's actually a class saying, we're going to take an hour and you're going to sit still. Oh, thank God. Literally. Thank you, Lord. I get to sit still for an hour and do nothing, you know, to rest. The chain, this gym, 
has increased the number of surrender classes by an average of about 50% across its locations compared with 2019. Months of stress and sweatpants have shifted priorities for gym goers, with many saying they now care more about how they feel versus how they look. A recent survey of 16,000 Americans reported 43% are exercising to feel better, 59% to reduce stress. As one fitness expert said, leaving it all at the gym floor doesn't seem like a priority as much. Maybe laying on the gym floor is our priority. Oh, we need rest. Our rider needs rest. God knows you you need rest. He wants to give you that rest. You can only find that rest with him. The rest that you need, the rest and recovery that's required for your soul to be refreshed comes from the presence of the Lord and time with him and quietness and stillness of heart. And he wants to give you that. That's what our writer's asking for. I need that peace. Now, After that hour-long class and after that time with the Lord, we do emerge and we come back into it. The problems haven't disappeared. The stresses, the, the responsibilities of our life haven't gone away, but we're in a much better place being with the Lord, having been with the Lord to be able to cope with those things and do those things properly and do them well. I think of all the young parents. That's one of my biggest concerns and prayers that have been last five years. It seems like it comes up more and more in my prayer life, just praying for these young families. The difficulties, the pressures, the, the tiredness, you know. I'm too young to be this tired. I know. I'm praying for God to give you rest so that you can do the parenting well. I don't want you to get rid of the responsibility of parenting, but that we can do the parenting well. You need that rest and take that time with God. We'll close in 169 here. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplications come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise for you. Teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word for all your commandments are righteous. Let your hand become my help for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord. Your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you. And let your judgments help me. This is the the, the oddball verse as far as I'm concerned. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Why does he say that? It doesn't sound like he's lost. It sounds like he's very much in the presence of God. It sounds like he's very much near his shepherd, or at least wants to be. But that's not how he feels. I feel distant from you. I feel lost. Uh, A shepherd and a flock, you know, our agriculture is a little different now. We've got fences, and that's their pasture. There it is. That's not how it was back then, or how it is even to this day over there. The shepherds wandered around, and the shepherd was the pasture. That's it. Sort of like a, uh, just a radius around this pasture. That is where we're supposed to be. And we move and we walk and the sheep stay with them. And some get left behind and have to get brought back, you know. He doesn't get to sit back in his house like we do and say, oh, the, the barbed wire's got him. That's what a sheep fold is for. Sure, there are moments like that. But for the most part, when grazing, it's open range, you know. Well, the sheep can't see his shepherd. 
That's home to him. That's what it means to be lost to him. I can't see my shepherd. I don't hear him. I feel separated from the herd. I feel distant. And I don't know if you feel like that this morning, but this verse is for you then. This is a great prayer for you to pray. And just know this, that God is listening and God hears this prayer. I've gone astray. Maybe you have sinned. Maybe you haven't and you just feel alone. Would you seek me, God? It's a very sweet sentiment, in my opinion. It touches my heart when I read it. Because I know my Jesus, and I know that he doesn't want anybody lost, nor does, nor does he not see them. But if that's how you feel, and, and this little lamb or this little sheep is crying out for his shepherd to seek him, you can bet he's going to go do it. How far away from you do you feel? You know, Jesus might say. To the point where he may just place you on his shoulders and carry you for a while. And maybe you need that this morning. And that's a good prayer to pray. I love your commandments, he said, over and over again. I feel lost, though. Would you seek me? Would you help me? In Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This writer is not going anywhere else but to God for his help. And he's going to wait for God to help him. This is where I ask, and this is where I wait. Hebrews 13.6, our final cross-reference, and then we'll close. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? When God comes through on these moments and these prayer times that we have with him, these maybe a stumbling, maybe a lost, maybe a lots of things he describes it as, when God comes through, it's a wonderful testimony to him. It's a wonderful opportunity to glorify him. It's a wonderful help for you as you were chiseled in that moment, molded in that moment to be a a vessel for God. Now you can share from experience how God, when the problem was left in his court and the answer came from him, how he can do that for anybody if he does it for you. I don't want to go through these problems just so I can be a blessing to other people, honestly. I do want to be a blessing to other people, but My walk with the Lord is so much deeper after every one of these moments in my life. It doesn't go backwards. I really don't feel that three steps forward, two steps back spiritually. When I go through a dark time, a difficult time, I become more grounded, more steadfast, more rooted in the comfort of my Savior every time. Um, And I'm thankful for that. For me, honestly. I feel more secure every time I go through one of these seasons. I feel more blessed. I feel more loved. I experience God in a deeper way. I share in some of the things he went through. Of course, in minor ways compared to what he went through, but still. I share as much as I can bear. I'm thankful for that. Lord, I'm thankful for these people this morning as they've taken this time to seek your face. To let your word touch their hearts, to let you come and bring them peace and some comfort in their lives and some encouragement. I pray that it wouldn't be a fleeting moment here, just an hour or an hour and a half on a Sunday, but that they would carry this on and that their roots got a little deeper today. 
a little more watered, a little sunshine, a little growth. And that their walk with you is a little closer and a little deeper than it ever has been. I pray that you'd stay with us throughout the rest of this day. Lord, it is Father's Day. Thank you for all the godly fathers who aren't reduced to a barbecue grill and sports, but really have a heart for you and a love for you. Fathers who are spiritually leading their households. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that we have someone we can follow as men. Thank you there's someone that we can trust and we can go to, a confidant, a counselor, a peacemaker, a Someone who's for us. We're thankful for you as fathers. Help us to lead today. Help us to stay close to you and be able to share with others how they can be close to you too, to share our experiences and to have empathy and sympathy for what they're going through. We might be able to help with the speck after you've removed our plank. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. Lord, bless these folks as they go today. I pray that you be with them the rest of this week and, and uh, continue to minister to them and bring them that rest and peace that they need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer before you go, there's going to be several people up here that would be glad to listen and pray with you. Um, otherwise, have a good rest of the week.